This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, January 4th, 2020. I'm just going to let that sink in. Not too long. We don't want to have this, you know, long gap of silence that we have managed to avoid so far all the other 195 shows we have done on this site. Um, something, something spectacular. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dornal, how was your week? Hey, hey. Uh, we're in the future. I'm really pumped. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, happy New Year to everybody hanging out in the chat, too, watching live. This Do we is have awesome. People in the chat, I, I haven't even clicked over yet. Yeah, we've got some people in the chat. They're That's here for the giant robots. The they're here. They're here for the giant robots. Oh yeah. Uh, fortunately, we don't have uh, something in front of that. I was gonna go see cats, um, but I haven't yet. Yeah, no, yeah. don't do that. Why would you do that to yourself? Um. Okay, I, I'll be honest with you. There was one scene that was so bizarre and so just like Kafkaesque body horror that it turned cats from this merely colossally bad movie into maybe one of those movies that's like a genuine uh like torture to get through. Like you 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 are watching movies on Iron Man mode. You have to sit there and it, it's the Vogon poetry of movies. Um, so in the original play, there's this fat cat and she's lazy and she doesn't do anything. But as she's lying around, she doesn't even hunt. That's how lazy a cat she is. She won't get up and go hunt for her food. So she imagines, she fantasizes that she orders the mice and cockroaches around and keeps them out of trouble. They're juvenile delinquents, and she trains them and keeps them out of trouble, and they have a little song and dance, and then you have, you know, people in big cockroach costumes dance around, and, and it's a cute little number, whatever, because she's tubby and cute. Okay, so that's the stage play in the movie. You have this tubby cat who gets up and dances around. And then you have like inch tall cockroaches. Like, and they zoom in on them and they've got human faces and human emotions and they're smiling and they do this tap dance number and they're like human cockroaches. And then the cat eats them one by one, and they scream for their lives as they fall into the gullet of the cat. That's amazing. Now, that sounds like a movie that is so awful, it might actually be painful to watch. This, this movie, as I said on Twitter, might actually be the closest thing our culture will ever get to performing the accursed fictional play of the King in Yellow. The play that once it's performed will drive you mad. And I just want to go see the movie to see if that's true. I want to watch it 
to, to see if I still have a solid grasp on my sanity after it's over. Wow, uh, that sounds like it'll win the uh, Academy Award for Best Horror Film of the Decade. <laughs> I think it's going to win all the Razzies. <laughs> <clears throat> um. oh. So yeah, I really actually want to go see it in the theater now. Because you're, you're already nuts. There you go. Uh, uh, there you go. That's just past mere uninteresting badness. I already knew it was going to be bad. Everybody knew it was going to be bad, but man, it's just bad on an epic scale. So if you come back here saying, "Man, I love D and D fourth head," be like, "Oh, he saw cats." <laughs> yeah, he saw cats. Hey, happy new year to our guest. How's it going, Brian? Happy new year. It's going well. Uh, I've got a new book out. After, uh, after uh, I don't want to say a, a long wait, but I will say it was highly anticipated. I've had people uh, asking me for months how the story arc is going to end. And uh, yeah, I finally, finally delivered. It's, uh, it's exciting and uh, people are excited about it, which is good to see from the reviews. Oh yeah, everybody in the chat's excited for Max. Let me let me let me let me put some of these these images up because you've been knocking them out. You and Art Anon, Art Anon's hanging out in the chat. Yeah, uh, really really cool stuff. Respect. Let me uh do do put some Max up here on the screen. Um, you've got on on your page. I I, I just want to jump right into this. On your page, you you you're collecting all of the Mecca from your series, and you've got links to the. Uh, to, to the mix, including the cool artwork, like boom, giant robots. This is what you guys are here for, right? That's what I'm here for. I I aim to please. Um, I'm afraid somebody's being shot next door, and I'm going to have to pause for just a second. Oh, that that's a shame. I hope everyone's okay. <laughs> you can talk about mix, and and I will be back. I am right. Press F for Daddy Warpig's neighbor chat. Oh man, uh, rest in peace, Daddy Warpig's neighbor. That's a shame. Uh, so, all right, uh, mods are gone. What do you want to talk about? Giant robots. Giant robots. Uh, so I got this. I I had a flight uh, over the holidays. This is timing your book release for the holidays is perfect because people are traveling, they're on their plane trip, and everything like that. And, and, uh, what can I say? I, I enjoyed it. It was, uh, easy to read, right? It, it fit well within a five hour plane trip and, uh, it kept me engaged and, and, and ignoring any, any of the unpleasantries of modern air travel. And, uh, and it was really exciting. Uh, you know, I quite enjoyed it. So good timing on that, on that release. Yeah. And man, let me just say you're fast. I, I love hearing from from readers about their reading experience, but uh, you finished it in five hours. Like, I, I couldn't finish my own book in five hours, but uh, I mean, I don't, I don't recommend trying it with an ethereal, but yeah, don't, don't do that. I mean, that could put you in a cat situation, not in terms of quality, but uh, madness. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So I know we've talked about this before, but I'm really curious to know because as you, as you sort of alluded to, it took a while for you to get this book out. But we did, you know, in full disclosure, I I did uh, 
donate to the uh, to the Indiegogo to help fund the the finished product. Uh, built a mech even, yeah. and and uh, so it sounded like you pretty much had all the pieces in place. Now you're an outliner, so you you already had the book outline. So so tell, can you tell me about the writing process and 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 how you got from that outline and and the backer, uh, you know, the backer projects to the finished product? Because I'm a little curious about that. Yeah, I should say that the reason why it felt like sort of a, a long labor process with this story, not necessarily the book, is that uh, CY42nd Coming, as kind of hinted in the title, is the second half of what I think of as the Coalition Year 40 arc of Combat Frame Exceed, because in my original outline, Coalition Year 40 and Second Coming were one book. And uh, like I announced to Indiegogo backers for the previous volume, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna split it in two because as I was writing the second book, I realized okay, I still got a ways to go here. So yeah, so I can either turn out like a, a 600 page tome like my my earlier books, or I can do something that. Uh, is more single serving size that you could read on a plane trip, but still get a complete story and release that as Coalition Year 40, and then give the second half of that arc the full treatment it deserves and give everybody some answers and some closure. And that's what I did. So technically, the writing process encompasses the second and third books. That's what it took to tell this epic story and based on the reviews i think it turned out well yeah uh, that that's great to hear are you you're getting mostly positive reviews all right that's got a perfect score on amazon oh i i regret to inform you that i have not put my review in oh i'll, I'll make <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a habit of a, we've got kind of a history here. Yeah, press press F for Brian's perfect review score. No, no, seriously, uh, uh, I, you you just reminded me that I haven't uh, I haven't actually put my review on Amazon yet, which which I will. Uh, I'll take care of that soon. That's great. I'd invite anyone who's who's read it and uh, hasn't left a review yet to to go ahead because I mean nothing helps readers make informed buying decisions more than honest reviews and yeah I'm, I'm not worried about the score at all because i i know the quality of my work and i, I stand by it oh yeah yeah uh, speaking of reviews uh we've got castalia house in the chat where you're going to get a, a full review on their blog on wednesday apparently sweet yeah they've always been big supporters and, uh yeah nathan Housley there in the in the chat Thank you, sir. He's uh, he he's always he he's been he's been my my, my guide star. I'm I'm not uh, abashed about saying that because he uh is a serious reviewer who will tell authors what they're doing right when they're doing right, and he'll tell them where they have room for improvement when they have room for improvement. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that review and seeing what he thinks. That's great. And and totally DJ. We got you got two campaigns of build a mix out of it. How is it, it now it's it's fun as speaking as a backer. It's really fun to go through the process and make the mech. But uh, what's it like for you? Do you just in, do you enjoy having people sort of take that design weight off your shoulders? I mean, your your fans are paying you to to 
do a small, a tiny portion of, of your job, which is to, hey, come up with a new mech, right? How do, how do you like that? Well, to give a nuanced answer, yeah, in one respect, it lifts a yoke off my shoulders. On another, it places an obligation on them because now I've got to follow through and not just make it a throwaway cameo where, okay, yeah, now we cut to this mech, like cooking some eggs or something, and then back to the <laughs> back to the action. It's, uh, no, I, I love the process. It, it comes from my sister's a GM. I mean, I'm, I'm a GM, you're a GM. Data War Pig is, and you can't really do that job effectively without enjoying the process of, of giving people some parameters and then letting them surprise you with their creativity. And that is what all of the BAM backers have, have done so far. That's what we affectionately call Goldemac, me, me and Art Nunn and the uh, DJ and the other backers. Uh, so the BAMs have, have been, I, I don't hesitate to say, the best part of the crowdfunding process because I, I get to kind of oversee you guys, sometimes shepherd you a little bit, although none of you have really needed that much hand-holding in building a combat frame. And okay, but, but then, all right, now I've got to do this thing justice, right? I've, I've, I've got to give my patrons what you paid for. And that's the challenging and fun part for me. And so far... That's been the most rewarding part of the reaction to book three is multiple people telling me like, damn, these mecha in particular just rock. Like they just blew the roof off. I'm like, ah, those are the bands. Uh, oh yeah. And, and I can tell that you had that problem because you, you feel that obligation, you feel pressured to, make them an important part of the story instead of just a cameo that you uh in in my opinion and and this is the best thing ever you overcompensated and the 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 bam mechs have some of the uh, most exciting maybe i'm biased because they were my mechs right but they were really exciting scenes and and they were really the uh, you know the that the ideas that the backers came up with you know were integrated into the story it, uh, they, they had an impact on the story or at least or at least a fight yeah uh, that was great uh, that was great minor spoilers I I'm, I'm supposed to yeah. avoid spoilers because Rawls in the chat he hasn't read it yet okay yeah but my, my build mechs are the best I'm just throwing that <laughs> out there guys well like uh, Art, Art and on himself in the chat is saying incredible imagination from all of the build a mech backers in terms of design and uh yeah I'm, I'm hearing great reviews for yours but also the four others because we had uh, we had five this time five in just this book yeah wow i i couldn't keep track i, I remember seeing the um the the manticore was it yeah i remember i remember that one and and the others on... they, they should see this one this one is this is wild yeah yeah let's let's see the manticore absolutely crazy so if i go to here's the second coming section and this is the manticore and boom that's what i i don't know who came up with that but that's incredible <laughs> yeah that's uh, go ahead 
I thought I was I thought my designs were coming out of left field. This this one's this one's nuts. I love it. And it, it fits with the setting. Yeah, because this is a this is a ter terrestrial mech, right? Yeah, that that one's like um, electronic warfare and long range fire support. So those are missile launchers, and then uh, it's it's got a couple of medium and close range lasers lasers for support, but it's a glass cannon. Uh, it's it's lightly armored, so it really doesn't last long if another combat frame gets close to it. Uh, so it's also often paired with uh, more um, close combat worthy combat frames uh, as kind of escorts. To, to watch its watch its back, like a, a super futuristic artillery piece. Yeah, it's basically what it is, and uh, it also uh, I think you can see my fingers. Those two things in the middle. It has drones that uh, that detach and kind of do recon for it. They'll feed it telemetry and stuff. So uh, it's it's super well thought out. So so uh, all of them though. And and uh, what are the others? Yeah. Castor and Pollux, right? Those are the uh... yeah. Those are DJs. I'll put DJ in the chat. We're just gonna we're gonna go one two three. Castor and Pollux, the two stars of Gemini. Yeah, and there should be links to each of them in each one's entry. Yeah, awesome. those are the twins. Yeah, and this one was a challenge to work in, but. DJ and I came up with a creative solution because there are two other existing comet frames in, in the book, right? And the parameters he sent me for these were kind of similar to those. Like, okay, well, I don't want to double dip here. So like, how do I explain this without uh, saying that uh, somebody's just kind of copying another mech design? So I'm like, oh, well, I'll, I'll tie it together. So I'm not going to say which ones, but Castor and Pollux are sort of refits or retrofits of two other existing combat frames. So they're kind of like evolutions of them. And story-wise, I, I thought it worked out really smoothly. And then, and then there's their, their combiner, so there's their combined form. So we're, we're going a bit more super robot with this one now, which was deliberate. So I, I love how he came up with that idea independently. It uh, perfectly expresses the themes yeah, just I just realized this one's going to be a tough one to listen to later, huh. if on on SoundCloud. Uh, I should mention for anybody listening uh, in their car or something. Next chance you get, go to your website BrianNemeyer.com, and you've got there's a link at the top that says Mecca, and it's got links to all these cool things. So if you're if you're reading along and you've got a picture in your head and you want to see what what the artist's impression of these mechs, these combat frames are. Uh, just check out all the links on that page. It's so cool. And a ton of fun building these things. Um, Quite a fun. <clears throat> ton of fun. They're, they're joy to do. So, yeah, looking forward to doing more VAMs when we launch the Indiegogo for book four. I, I think you've started a trend. All the Pulp Rev guys in chat, they're, they're already plotting how they're going to do build a mix in their, their future yeah. series. And I got to give a shout out to, uh, to the others. Of course, there are yours, the, the harvester from the previous book and now the exceed reaper from this one. And then now we had uh, Crescentia for, for this one, which is the, the first sort of female themed combat frame. 
Yeah, I don't see the link to that one. I don't think you... Oh, there it is. Found it. It should be all up to date. Yeah. Let's not let me know. I'll fix it. Uh, I didn't see the new one. You just posted one today or yesterday, the, the Stapfen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're not done with the Harvester, by the way. The Harvester's still <laughs> around in this book. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, there yeah. it is. There it is. Brand new one. Oh, it's really cool seeing this this library of. Uh, it's been a popular uh, feature of the blog. Yeah. Okay, now now take me take me to the the tabletop the wargaming roots of this uh, because as I said I I enjoy the art I enjoy reading <clears throat> the stories of the mechs you know, fighting and, and blowing up moon colonies and whatnot. Yeah. But I don't dive through all the technical details of their arms and armors and energy sources and, and everything like that. Is that, it, it, do people respond to that as well? Oh yeah. Like I was uh, just on new pub talk with uh, David Stewart uh, a couple days ago and he is, like a Robotech RPG and Battletech and, and Mech Warrior OG from back in the day. And uh, he, he for one, really digs that. Uh, I, I know DJ does it. He always tries to show some love to the new designs when I post them. Oh, and Ardenon reminds me of Intermiss. That's like the, the fifth design is the uh, Grandolf Dragonfly. So mo another modification of the, the previous mech. Another, uh, another awesome backer. Empreb. So... That's the the nuclear Grandolph. Nuclear Grandolph. Yeah, there there are two versions. There's a terrestrial version and a space version. So yeah, so there's like the the air version. And then all those see those like triangular interlocking missile pods. <laughs> and there's the space version. And then the space. Uh, click on that. Go go back to where you were. Oh, okay. Go, back, go on to the space version. <laughs> and then click on the second picture of the space version. That's just a, a. It looks like a solar uh, solar sail array, only it's missile pods. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair bit of missiles. Yeah, I think there's like 148 of them. Daddy, Daddy Warpig, is your neighbor still alive? Uh, yes. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for the update. All right. Well, have we have we geeked out on uh, the the nuts and bolts of, of Mecca enough? <laughs> well, we're, we're, there's Can one you ever one really do it enough. Why <laughs> there? That, that's a great point. Hey, the the necessary follow up question. So, are you now working with Mister Stewart on the on the Xseed version of BattleTech or an Xseed expansion to the BattleTech uh, tabletop game? Not yet. Oh, that's that's an intriguing idea. But uh, so you're asking about kind of the, the gaming roots of this project, and uh, me and a buddy back around 2003 or so sat down, and we cobbled together our own homebrewed system for this. And so part of the outlining project uh, process, part of the the, uh, the writing process, was I gamed out every book, and based my outline on that. <laughs> 
So uh, we, we, we do have that system still intact, and that's another uh, that's another perk for backers is uh, some point soon here, when I, when I get caught up, we, we are going to do this. Uh, we're we're going to have a little members-only playtest of the Exceed RPG. Oh, wow. Are you going to do that on, on Discord? I'm not sure exactly how. Uh, yeah, I, I have Boomer Tech, so I'm open to suggestions, like whether we're going to use Discord or Roll20 or what have you, but yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Oh, that sounds like a treat. Yeah, I should mention we've we've already done one playtest of the card game. Um, I think via Skype. Can't remember exactly what it was with a with a card developer, card anon. Exceed has the best anons, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Bull. but uh, yeah. So it has been done before. We've done Exceed gaming over the internet. It's probably just a matter of looking for the optimal platform. And I'm, I'm open to suggestions that we're going to yeah. do. Be fun. Yeah. I, that sounds great. Exceed uh, gaming, discord, roll 20, whatever. Uh, you're, you're, you said RPG though, is that sort of implies a focus more on the, on the pilots or the characters or something like that? Or is it more like a, a tabletop war game? Well, I, I don't want it to sound like a cop-out, but it's a, it's really a fusion of both. Because uh, the, using Hexmad is really mandatory. You know, you, you, you need figs. Uh, so the actual movement mechanics are very loosely based on Starfleet battles, but then it does have a system for pilot creation and for combat out of the mech but there's less a focus on character versus character combat. And uh, the, so the, the combat system is heavily mecha focused. Sure. Oh. And yeah, I mean, when you get to like the character interaction, interpersonal aspects, I mean, that's really up to the GM and I tend to be pretty heavy on those aspects. So it depends on how you slice it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm I'm definitely of the of the more quick and dirty persuasion when it comes to just get characters in go. If the point is to to have mechs fight each other, let's just skip to that part. <laughs> yeah, I can't fault that. So really, you just want car wars with mechs, is what you're saying? There you go. That's wow. <clears throat> I've never even played car wars, but that sounds exactly like what I want. <laughs> I know, right? Where's Jeffro when you need him? Yeah, where is he? <laughs> Someone get him up. I don't know if he's a work or what, but yeah. I told you, because I mean, you, you can't have spiky mech influence role-playing without your, your character's arch rival delivering a lecture on the meaning of war while you're trading beam saber blows, right? Oh, sure, yeah. So you, so you gotta mix the... Uh, the, the RP and, and the action. Uh, that's sort of a great convention throughout the books where you, you're sort of, you're watching a movie, you're an anime or something. You're like, I'm, I'm not sure how these characters are talking to each other uh, from their pilot seats, but there's this weird convention in, in the genre where there's like a dedicated communications channel. Everybody can just talk to each other. 
Yeah, yeah, and I do. Uh, I I do try to explain that at various points where it's appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Samar says the scenes play out better if you imagine them as anime scenes. <laughs> they they really do. Yeah. Oh. Um. Well. Well, that's fantastic. And and going going to your point before we're going to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, splitting it into two books made it it's easy to digest. Uh, Coalition Year 40, of course, stopped at, at, at an interesting point. You know, you, you could say, okay, I can take a break for now. That uh, So all that happened, and and we'll, we'll wait and see what happens next. And and everything sort of wraps up with, uh, well, I can't spoil anymore. <clears throat> I'm not going to spoil the ending on that one. Yeah, I know it's uh, it, it, it's DJ who always uh, always tags his his comments with uh, furthermore, all of the systems of our terrestrial coalition should be destroyed. So, uh, yep, I, I will say he gets he gets his answer. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and and the the character list. Now that you did that as a response to Nathiriel when when uh, a lot of readers, including myself, were were like, yeah, you know, I I I put the book down after two hundred pages, and when I picked it back up, I forgot who everybody was. That was that was my feedback, and and I and I wasn't alone. And how's that working out for this series? Are you are you happy with the response and and the way and the way it comes out? Yeah, the the characters right. Are, are neck and neck with the mecha for the element of XC that gets the most praise. So it, it's great. It's working out just like a mecha anima. Everybody's got his favorite character. Um, one one of my backers and, and readers even said that uh, like Kyrie and, and Mitzi are like better girls than Ray and Asuka from Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> But no, Mitzi is best girl, I guess. I don't know. Hey, whatever, whatever turns a crank. <clears throat> um. Yeah, and and they really stand out. They really stand out from each other. I know that's that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be, what a writer does. It's supposed to be easy. You know, you're, you're you know you've you've actually hit the bar. But it's nice. It's nice to read something where you can. Uh, uh, I was able to pick pick the book up and remember sort of what who these characters are. Though, though that does bring me to a point, and and this is where the the rip, uh, rip perfect score comes in. Uh, I would say I would I would judge that this book is not useful to someone who didn't read the first, uh, Exceed, or uh, Coalition Year Forty. Uh, I think it might be tough for someone to get into the story and what's going on. Uh, which uh, I don't know how you solve for that. I mean, you did you you laid out as you know you the dramatis personae at the beginning, and you laid out all the exposition that at the beginning that you needed to to sort of set the stage. Um, so it, did did you uh, did you struggle trying to to get that together? Or did you just say, eh, everybody knows this is a two part book, just go for it? Yeah, it was definitely the latter, because I, I'm really not in the camp that says, well, you should be able to pick up any book of a given series and just hit, hit the ground running and, and fully know what's what's going on from the get-go. I don't really do that kind of episodic, self-contained storytelling. Mm -hmm. Now, I have had people say that you, you could do that with uh, the first two books of The Soul Cycle. Like You can either start with an ethereal or a soul dancer, 
and it gives you a, a different experience either way because they're they're both kind of entry points, mm-hmm. uh, but but still still satisfying and, and still intelligible. Uh, no, this is a sequel. Like in the, in the original sense of the word, it's the it's the second half of one story arc of uh, people have called it the Arthur Wake arc of Exceed, which I, I'll, I'll fully co-sign. Uh, and getting back really quick to the direct question about the Duranus Persona list, I got that from my buddy Jeff Duntiman, who's also a friend of the show. He's been on the Gab. Oh yeah, I remember him. Publisher, yeah. Uh, he read Soul Cycle. Like, yeah, I, uh, I dig this, but I highly recommend doing this, which I did with my book, the The Cunning Blood, which was a, a bit of a beefier, uh, hard sci-fi epic, and it, it got positive reader feedback. Like, oh, okay, so I went back and added that to the Soul Cycle, and I've been doing it with Exceed all along and uh i don't have any direct evidence that uh the dp list alone has enhanced reader enjoyment but uh i think the proof of the pudding is in the eating and people are really digging the characters as you said um and by the way we're <laughs> on, on on the uh carrie versus mitzi versus morley best girl triad um uh, i've got to take a mulligan on that because my best girl hasn't come on stage yet but the, i have i've posted hints in in various places if you guys are, are following me and she's coming up in the next couple of books so we got that oh, okay let's just say uh, the term platypus enthusiast might apply yeah yeah there's a I, I, <laughs> that uh that illustration that that keeps popping up i've never i'm not sure who that's supposed to be but you're not supposed to be sure that's fine she she's not sure either, so it's okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I just I, I'm just glad to know that that isn't an illustration of. A, I was really embarrassed that is an illustration. Of like, am I is this a character in the books? Because I don't recognize this character. I why do I keep seeing this illustration pop up? <laughs> and I was too embarrassed to ask. No, no that, that's fine. Uh, all right. So apparently, uh, apparently we we're gonna do the all the Pulprev guys want in on this. So we're gonna do a, a Pulprev uh, best girl twenty twenty one calendar. Oh yeah. We're gonna we're gonna keep Arden on in work. There we go. Oh uh, well, I like to. I'm really excited about it. I hope to get my paperback soon. Uh, you got your you got the paperback copies out to backers now. I do. They're in the mail. So I uh, should start looking for them like Monday and Tuesday. So they should start heading. Uh, what about someone new? Uh, or, or if I wanted to get one as a gift, can we still get paperback copies? Yeah, absolutely. You can get paperback copies of all of them through Amazon. Oh, okay. Okay. I do have that link in the, in the show notes already. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, uh, I'm out of questions. I just want to stare at my Reaper picture uh, for longer. This let's is this is amazing. Let's let's just take some time to uh, appreciate its majesty, its beauty. <laughs> Does this mean you're going to make me ask questions? <laughs> yeah. That that was my that was my subtlest uh, sub, subtlest way to get you to ask some questions. Dw knew that was coming. <laughs> I could sense it. There's a disturbance <laughs> in the force. I'm not even kidding. I could feel the conversation going in a specific direction. I thought it's about the time in the show where he asks me to ask something. 
<laughs> I looked at the clock and I thought, yeah, down to the minute. <laughs> Almost. So, um, no, I did have the, I want to take a step back though. Um, take a step back from the books, take a step back from the mechs. Um, unless there are other really cool things you want to tell us about those, because there's something else I'm kind of interested in. Um, as the series has gone on, because we had Nick Cole on the show, what, three weeks ago? Yeah. I love Nick. Um, talking about all the new releases. They just dropped like four books in two months. Nothing. Nothing for five months or so. And they dropped four books in, in two months. None of them from Onspock and Cole, but, you know, working with other authors. Uh, I think you know, Fox, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what he was talking about uh, that I wanted to ask you about was uh, it is highly unusual as you're going along in a series for a specific series to gain readers, to gain readership. And Galaxy's Edge did that. And I, I get the feeling, I haven't confirmed this with you, but I get the feeling that um that this series has done it too um first off am am i right or wrong about that if you want to tell me that's fine and two how do you uh how would you recommend other writers go about doing that if it in fact happened how the how writers go about gaining readers as a series chugs along yeah instead of instead of losing them yeah, well, it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison because Galaxy's Edge is just the hottest thing in sci-fi going on Amazon right now. I mean, Nick and Jason have got it all figured out. If uh, a new writer wants to know how you do the more serialized book-a-month rapid release style of storytelling that's so effective right now, they actually have a master class in, in how to do it, do everything they say. I am adopting, or really been kind of slotted into more of a neo patronage track with, with XC because I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll dip my toes into this uh, crowdfunding scene to get money for the cover and, and for production costs on, on the first Xseed book. Been kind of skeptical that I would meet my goal at all, and it, it, it blew up and did like triple what I expected. It's like, oh, there, there might be something here. So in terms of success in the Indiegogo crowdfunding market, yeah, Exit is just, it's gone from strength to strength. Uh, this, this third book has already been my most profitable book, even counting the soul cycle before release because of that. So it's, it's just, it's a monster on crowdfunding platforms. It's, it's, it's seen explosive growth from one book to the next. Now, exactly how I achieved that. Um, yeah, I, I credit it to writing a story for an underserved market. You know, that, that same neglected men's adventure military thriller market that, like Galaxy's Edge is, is going for. And also one thing that was interesting to me was kind of like John was saying, was it uh, 
the third book, even though it is the second half of book two. And yeah, I would highly recommend reading book two before you read book three. So you don't, so you don't get lost. Uh, I still picked up new readers. And I think one way I did that was uh, with every perk, I offered all three books, the whole series in ebook. So no matter what you did, you got all three books in some form. Oh, that's smart. That's something that I would look for if I were backing okay. a new series. Okay, good to know. Yeah, so I, I, I surmise that new readers saw it and said, okay, well, that's a low barrier to entry. This is much less of a risk now, so I'm going to take a chance on it, and, and then loved it. And uh, another recipe of the success is uh, I, I know that if you want to succeed in, in publishing and in crowdfunding in general, you, you've got to ship. You've got to fulfill your promises. And that's what I'm committed to doing now. I'm just trying to encapsulate that. So basically you made it easy for them to pick up all the back books. So it's not like they were just picking up the middle of the series. They're like, oh, okay, I can pick up this book and everything you know, earlier. Yeah. And get caught up with everything. Um, and then, um, what was the other one you said? Well, I made sure to ship and, uh, I, I think one contributing factor there is that I didn't wait for the campaign to end before I fulfilled the the back catalog so i sent out the ebooks for one and two right away so people could get reading get ready for book three well i like that and and you can't put a price tag on that kind of reputation no that is smart that's really smart I, get I, them I, reading I... get them reading right now Get them reading right now because they want something right now. When, when you back a – see, that, uh, this is something that gets brought up with other Kickstarters. Usually when you yeah. buy into Kickstarters or when you buy into Indiegogo, by the time it comes out, you don't even care because it's been so long since you spent money on it, you're not keyed up anymore. You're not excited anymore. And frequently you don't read it at all. And you spend a lot of money. You were so excited. Um, and, and sometimes you don't even notice unless you go out of your way whether you got it or not. Uh, especially yeah. if you get involved in a lot of, uh, in a lot of uh, uh, crowdfunding efforts. Um, but if you get the crowdfunding kick it off by offering back issues for this series and send out back issues immediately, the audience still cares. They're still excited. They're still caught up in the looking for stretch goals and things like that. Um, and they can start reading the books and you can start... It, 
it may be okay that the audience doesn't care sometimes if it gets there on time. It may be okay if, uh, you know, they don't care whether they even got it on one level, but you're never going to convert them to a reader unless they read it. And so what you want to do is you want to get something into their hands to actually get them to read it. Um, and it really seems, you know, it really seems kind of counterintuitive that you, that you wouldn't read it. And, but I promise you, I literally have sitting next to me on the desk at least four and maybe five crowdfunded graphic novels that I spent up to 50 bucks on, <laughs> uh, at least one of them. Wow. That I've had for up to a year, uh, and I haven't read yet. We we all have TBR piles. Yeah. Don't worry about it. That, that's why reader engagement is really key. That's what the Buildamex are as not yet, bud. Yeah, that's that's what these uh MAHQ Jane's defense style mecha like spec sheets on my on my blog are uh i always try to be talking to my readers and show them hey here here's what's next here's what i'm working on here's when you're gonna get your product hey i would like your input on on your product because uh that, that's that's another part of the the bam's success i want to touch on is all authors make choices but confident authors let readers make choices so you're just openly acknowledging the the collaboration between both halves of the equation that always happens anyway. I'm about to open my mouth and say something. I realized my mic was still on pause. I'm like, well, that's no good. They're not going to hear me there. Oh. Hey, no, if, you, I... if you ask, if you say it loud enough, we might. <laughs> uh. My voice is so loud, it actually achieves electrical induction. That's how awesome I am. Um, that's a superpower. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just think that's smart. You get them reading right away, and uh, you, know, you get them liking the books. You get them excited for the whatever one's coming up, and then there um, you have the best chance of, of turning them into a reader. That's smart. Exactly. And, and this ties in with uh, another thing that's been going around the campfire lately in terms of social media and you know, which, which form is best. And I've really got to say that uh, it, it, it's blogs. I think, I think 2020 is, is going to be the year of the blog. It's when, when blogs come back, if, if you will. Me and David Stewart were talking about this because that's mainly how I engage with my readers is through Kairos. I mean, I have a Facebook and, and a Twitter, but uh, those are more social media on hard mode or uh, in terms of Facebook grift mode. Cause I mean, we, we now know the, the ads don't work. Like it's uh, basically just a, a, a scam to get people to pay them to do what was originally supposed to do anyway and, and show people your content. Uh, but now with blogs, it's much harder to get deplatformed 
for one thing. Uh, you you have more control, and you can really tailor it any way you want, and and deliver longer form content. So it, it would be really hard for me, uh, and, and probably not that much fun for people for me to tweet out an entire sample chapter of a book. I can just put the whole thing on Kairos. So I, I have definitely seen explosive blog growth hand in hand with the growth of Xseed. So, and I, I think there could be some causal relationship. I'm just uh, not sure where the chicken and the egg are in, in that process. But uh, it, really and you, yeah, that's a good point. But you, you also, you're also doing a little interesting experiment with your blog because you're not sticking to just mechs. You're not just writing about what's what's going on with Xseed or your campaign. Uh, you're yeah. also diving into topics that are just personally interesting to you, you know, ongoing culture wars or, uh, or Christian theology or, or whatever else comes up. Uh, How do you, is that, does that coincide with any traffic? What are the numbers on those posts or, or what are the trends with those posts? You know, it's one of those fascinating, but kind of frustrating things uh, about the internet age is you never know what's going to play to an audience because I've, Sometimes I will, like the, the night before, thinking, okay, I'm super inspired. I'm jazzed to write this. This is going to be a great post. And I spend all night doing research on it and, and drafting the post. And like, all right, yeah, this is, is going to be a million-dollar post right here, folks. This is, this is going to crack my, my top five new greatest posts of all time. And, and it does okay. Right, you know, it might get uh, a handful of comments and get a decent number of views, but then, like, I'll I'll oversleep. I'm like, oh, oh no, I've I've got 15 minutes to get a blog out, and just like, oh, what's going on? And and just kind of search through the news feeds, just pick on something, and uh, not necessarily just do a copy pasta, but just like, okay, here's this story, here's my commentary on it, and boom, it just goes viral. And I've I've found no way to predict it yet. I've I've tried. Like I've tried to do the whole okay, well, here are the posts that blew up big this month or even over the last three months. So what do they have in common? I'm gonna try to analyze and distill down the essence of what makes them appealing. Okay, then I'm gonna write about that. And yeah, then that post will just it'll it'll be meh. <laughs> yeah. So it's so it's interesting. So- so is the moral of the story not don't try too hard? <laughs> I'm not sure what the I can't even give you a moral of the story. The only moral of the story I can give you is that yeah, blogs are back. Blogs are good. Uh, I found that they build reader engagement and in sales way better than uh, like the, the the big social media. And they're they're a big key of the success of uh, of, of Xseed. Because I, I can do stuff like like we're seeing now. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, and let me hazard, and this is purely just from my point of view, but let me hazard a plausible explanation. Please. Is that the people, my, uh, people's natural reaction to advertisements on a place like Facebook is disgust or or aversion we don't want to see that crap when we're there the last thing i want to see 
on Facebook is a company brand, even if it's my friendly local game store. Uh, I don't want to see that stuff. I'm there to interact with my friends and family, see pictures of the cousins, that sort of thing. Right. And and Twitter, you might be there to follow your favorite personalities or celebrities or journalists or or presidents of the United States, whatever. Right. Right. You're not there. You're not there looking. Oh man, I'm gonna follow Jim Butcher and hope that he connects me with a bunch of new great fantasy <laughs> authors. Right. Yeah. You're gonna say I'm gonna follow Jim Butcher because I really like his books and and I kind of wanna I wanna know what he's like on Twitter. I wanna see what he has to say. That sort of thing. Uh, or I want Senpai to notice me. Yeah. So. For that reason, I think that's sort of the core, or could be the core reason why you can't use Twitter and Facebook to drive much engagement. People just don't want that crap there on that platform. The yeah. counter arg- counter argument on Twitter is that there's there's a whole group of uh, people who I can't tell how many of them are grifters or not, but the self improvement <laughs> style of of Twitter. <clears throat> where they're yeah. always they're always selling uh, cheap articles or or guides on how to do this, how to do that, that sort of thing. They're there building yeah. building a brand, and that's a little weird to me. Yeah, the the lifestyle brand guys. Yeah, that that basically is how you make money on Twitter. Is you present yourself as this guru who's going to tell you how to uh, get a GF, get in shape, going to teach you like teach you how to basically do what they do. So it just becomes a a bunch of guys selling self-help books to each other. Yet, even though that's uh, it's like Amazon, it's, it's one of those markets that economists would have said hundred years ago could never exist. And yet it does. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean that, that seems to work and it seems to be the only thing that works. But I mean, if you look at guys like Larry Korea and Nick Cole, they, they have pretty modest Twitter followings. Like I think my Twitter following is about as big as Nick's. Uh, Cause like he said before, social media is just there to show your readers. You're human. Hmm. Right. <laughs> it's, it's more for public interaction, but if you, if, if you're really selling your books, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would have to recommend blogs. Um, I I now understand all of Nick's posts where it's, it's, it's just some pithy thing that he said next to a picture of him holding a donut. I now, I now understand every one of those posts. Yeah. (laughs) Here you go. Yeah, go ahead. I wanted to give you something, Uh, Brian. I got this off of Twitter today. Uh, someone wrote up what he calls, uh, Alfred the Great wrote up what he calls the Iron Laws of Twitter. Number one, and, and you will see how this applies in mere moments. Your brilliant insight or wonderful new content will get six likes and two retweets. <laughs> Number two, your dumb pun or silly quote tweet joke will get 17,000 likes and 5,000 retweets. <laughs> number three, whatever number two was, it will have a typo. 
<laughs> so if you're wondering why all of your big blog posts get six likes and two shares, that's why. Yeah, of course, we then have War Pig's Law, which your words live by. Oh. And getting... It, it, I swear it's like they read those laws and, and decided, you know what? We're not doing enough to live up to these. <laughs> I know. They printed it up as like an official corporate mission statement and nailed it to the wall. Oh. Anyway, yeah. sorry. I'm... <laughs> oh. That's funny. I think it's in it. Uh, let's see. Like on, on, on Twitter... Like, uh, it, the results of incompetence are indistinguishable from malice or something like that. <laughs> I haven't read it in a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, Twitter is so poorly programmed that um, accidental bugs are indistinguishable from deliberate malice. Um, Bingo. Twitter is so poorly designed that, um, you know... <laughs> that design flaws are indistinguishable distinguishable from actual malice. Um, and despite this, actual malice from the employees does happen anyway. <laughs> so those are the three rules of Twitter. Uh, just you just have to know if you go on the platform, there are lots of bugs, and even if there weren't bugs, the design of the site is bad anyway. Yeah. And they've now made shadow banning official policy. So shadow banning is baked into the cake now. Oh, is it official yeah. now? Yeah. And like uh released in a TOS, it's like we reserve the right to limit like the, the reach of any user's content for any reason or something like that. Oh that's what they've been denying for years, thanks, Twitter. Yeah, everybody knows damn well that they've just been piloting that uh, that feature. They, yeah, they were. Uh, their new policy is we have uh, we reserve the right to uh, kick a user off our platform. That's not you know what they say, obviously, for any reason or no reason at all. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's their platform. Build your own platform. So anyway, that's enough about Twitter. Do. Uh, do you have any last thoughts before we kick this off? Wait, that's the yeah. wrong phrase, isn't it? That means I, I, start something. Yeah, kicking it off is starting something. Kick it off the ledge to to plummet <laughs> to an ignominious demise. Uh, I, I actually have I have a setup question. Okay. For you, Brian, uh, I really enjoyed the way Coalition Year Forty ended. And there's some surprises and spoilers I don't want to go in go into, but I'm excited to know what is the future for the next uh, part of the X-Seed story. Thanks for asking. Well, it's it's not over, as the, the tagline for Soya 42nd Coming says. There is more X-Seed to come. There's a preview of the, the fourth book, Comet Frame X-Seed S, at the end of CY 42nd Coming. And yeah, so I, I have two more books outlined. Uh, I'm going to do the uh, the next story arc, which uh, I'm calling the S arc, which takes place uh, close to CY100. So 
uh, about 60 years after the, the conclusion of book three. So we're going we're gonna to time jump forward and kind of let the dust settle on, on this story arc and kind of examine the consequences of the Arthur Wake arc. And yeah, then I'm, I'm just going to pick the reader up and just throw you into the hot and heavy combat because we're, we're just going full on war mode for the next two books. Also, there will be at least one platypus. So you got that to look forward to. A uh, future cyber platypus. I love it. Uh, so I we've got we've got links to your books Amazon uh, you can get the ebook or the paperback you can get all your ebooks I've got that link in the show notes uh, I liked it I really liked the uh, this this last book in particular uh, I really enjoyed uh, but you have to read them all to to get the full enjoyment from it yeah I tried to give you a complete story in each one and I I, I think you'd agree that each XC book does have a definite beginning middle and end. And you get at least some closure, even though the second one does end on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. But book three really draws it all together. Like it's the, the natural conclusion of the first domino that was knocked over in the first book. Uh, I, I agree. Beyond that, any last thoughts for us? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks to the chat. Thanks to all my readers. Uh, you're... <sighs> You're, you're letting me live the dream, and I appreciate it. And as long as you stick around, I'm going to keep giving you great stories. Cool. It's okay. always great to have you on. Yeah. Uh, likewise, thanks to everybody hanging out in chat, talking. Thank you to everybody listening live. Uh, I, I'm, I'm done for today, Daddy Warpig. It's all you yours. You done? You got nothing? I, I'm spent. What can I say? Spent. Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see you tossing your camera aside. <laughs> Headset's already on the floor. F this, I'm out. <laughs> well, I personally would like to thank uh, everybody who came and uh, listened live to the show and participated in the chat, uh, or everybody who came in live to the show and uh, didn't participate in the chat. I also want to thank everybody who is listening to the show later via, well, let, let's run it down. You can listen to this show live and join us here on youtube.com slash geekgab. That's youtube.com slash geekgab. Or you can uh, catch a show later at the very exact same place. No problem. And while you are there, be sure to give us a like and a subscribe and ring the bell so that uh, you'll be given all the notices of when we're going live so you won't miss a single stupendous show. Um, you can also listen to us on the Google Play Store, on the iTunes Store, and on SoundCloud.com. We are available on the platform of your choice for your convenience. This has been Geek Gab for Saturday, January 4th, 2020. We have to uh, leave you for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We. We'll be back.